are still dealing with being spirit-filled. 5.18 to 21. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation. Be filled with spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Father, we love you. Uh, Father, uh, I pray that it becomes a passion of us to walk worthy, spirit-filled Christians. And uh, though we are small, we do that, we'll turn the world upside down. So Lord, help us. Help us not focus on ourselves. Father, help us to understand the urgency of the day. Father, help us to see the doors that you open and the doors that you close. And Lord, help each and every believer stand in the grace that is Christ Jesus. In Christ's precious name, amen. Let's see if I can catch everything back up pretty quick. In chapter 4, verse 1, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul, implored the readers to walk worthy. And the first thing that he called the worthy walk in is what? All humility. I want you to keep that in mind. Then in the beginning of chapter 5, he uh, starts dealing with it. I mean, I mean, he uses a phrase here. Remember, there's a therefore, verse 1 of 5, and he says, be imitators of God. Why? Based on what I just gave you in chapter 4, be imitators of God. Chapter 4, because I want you to walk worthy, is because of the first three chapters of doctrine that I gave you, and who you are positionally as a child of God. Okay? Be spirit-filled. And then we're cruising through this. He gives us a command. In the, this command is given in a contrast. He says, I don't want you to be drunk on wine. I want you to be filled with the Spirit. So the contrast there is, if you are drunk on wine, what are you following? What's controlling you? The wine. And I contrast that to be filled with what? The Spirit. Okay, And I showed you that that word filled had to do with filling the sails of a ship. And it would drive it to where the wind is taking it. Being controlled. Then he, in verse 19 and 20 through 21, he shows us what the consequences of this is. Being spirit-filled. And if you think about it, and it's funny, have you ever heard this? You can't know the heart. Don't judge me, you don't know my heart. You ever heard that? But you know what? I know the heart by your actions. Now, you may have a heart that's in torment, but if you're acting like a fool, I'm going to say, hey, fool. Right? I've never understood that because your reactions and or responses, the way you deal with other people, shows everybody your heart. Okay? So there's consequences to a spirit-filled Christian. It's seen, and it affects with your ourselves 
And I shared with you this, that you will have a song in your heart. It's just a, a little melody thing. It's just like me coming down the hill into Franktown and saying, Oh, worship the King of glory is above. But see, I can do that in the truck because there's nobody there with me. Okay? But you just look at it and you think, Man! All right? But it's, it's always there. There's always this little peaceful, and it's, 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 a, it's gentle, comforting, and, and, and it's, it's just... It removes anxiety, and you just sort of like, yeah, that'll work, okay? And so with ourselves, we are at peace. We are at peace. Second thing is, is with God. And it's gratitude. It's gratitude. Just think about it for a minute. Too many today, someone might help them, okay? And our first response is to thank that person, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not, I'm not saying, well, don't be grateful, okay? But do you realize that God put that person with their abilities and their talents or whatever in your life to help you? So why not think that person and say, God, you're good. You're good. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So James tells me. And, and, and I think there's times that we take some of this for granted. And it's just, well, this is supposed to be it. Rush Limbaugh had a statement. It used to drive my wife nuts. Talent on loan from God. And she's like, oh, how can he say that? But you think about it, talent on loan from God. Okay, I still don't know what mine is, but when I find it, I'm going to thank him. Okay? But these are things that I want us to think about, is that what you are, who you are, your abilities, your abilities to comprehend things. Uh, some people are book knowledge people. They can just read it. Oh, that's totally awesome. And then if I can't tear it up and put it back together, I have no use for it. And I'm not going to get it. All right? And, and so I, I'm one of the few people who use the maps in their Bibles. Because I'm like, what? Where? I don't, don't make sense. Okay? And so then you find out that they got BC maps and AD maps. and Anyway. Okay? But there are some people who learn hands-on. There's some people who can just learn it by by reading it. And uh, I have to mess it up. If I can, you know, it's like a computer. You know, keep messing with this. And then when I get it really all jacked up, I unplug it and count to 10, plug it back in. Okay. And it all works again. It's kind of crazy. What you are, who you are, your abilities, the job that you have, the money that you make, is a gift from God. And we, as children of God, should be grateful. Now, there's an awful lot of us who are little spoiled, rotten brats. But I want more. Johnny got a bigger one. Why can't I have a bigger one? Okay? And we've got to be careful about that. All right, so with self, I have a melody in my heart, a new song that I sing unto the Lord. To God, I have thanksgiving. Spirit-filled gifts, thanks to God. 
even when it's someone else who does it. I thank God that that person is in my life. Okay? Then there's the third one. (laughs) So what you're looking at, you see consequences with the relationship to yourself. Okay? Have you ever seen that? Have you ever been around people who are at peace with themselves? They can be annoying. Okay? But there are people that I know, they're totally at peace with themselves. They don't have a lot. They don't have a little. They're just kind of cruising with it. And, you know, people say, well, you just, you don't care. You're complacent. You're No, man. Content. I'm content with myself. Okay? Then they're thankful. Spirit-filled people are thankful. Okay, now if you've got that, you know what? We see it. Okay? We who are your eternal brothers and sisters, we see that. All right? Which brings me to the third one. And it would be our relationship with others or believers. Okay, now, (laughs) you've got to watch this verse. Note the end of the verse. In the fear of Christ. Okay? That's very important. Remember when I told you what was the first thing for the worthy walk? Humility. When you have fear of Christ, you will have humility. Okay? But he deals with a subject that is foreign to natural man. Submission. Be subject to one another. Okay? In the fear of Christ. Hmm. But then in verse 22, what does he do? He begins dealing with the marriage relationship. All right? Because if he just dropped it there and then picked it up in 6 9, then you and I could sit around and contemplate our narcissistic navels on what does subjection to one another really mean? And how does it look? But Paul, understanding who we are, says, I'm going to take 22 through to chapter 6, verse 9, and I'm going to explain it. Okay, so... To deal with the topic of submission takes a lot more than verse 21. Do you see that? Everybody just completely confused everybody. Listen, and I find it fascinating. I've been around long enough in the the Christian area, about 30 some odd years, that uh, if you want to grow your church, see, churches used to, if you were going to plant a church back in the Early 90s, you did a prophecy class. I'm going to teach you on the book of Revelations. We're starting a new church, and everybody, oh, let's go see. Okay? And they would all go to it. You know how you do it now? It's kind of cool. It's annoying to me, but it's cool. Male age. Or sex. Or marriage and sex. And you know what? You can sell books, you can sell DVDs, you can sell CDs, you can, you can sell cruises on marriage. 
Fascinating, don't you think? We have conferences. We have retreats. We have counselors. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to keep this as simple as I can. You can do every one of these, read every book, hear every cassette tape, every DVD, CD, podcast, whatever you want. And if you are not filled with the Spirit, none of that matters. Okay? Listen, I got accused of being too blunt, but I just can't change. God created marriage. So he knows how to make it. And anything else is human opinion. Okay? If you are filled with the Spirit, you can forget all the stuff that the counselors or whatever have come. You ever heard that? 30 years ago, if you were having problems in your marriage... You said and worked it out. Now we're going to go see a marriage counselor. Okay? You see what I mean? It's everywhere. And the truth of the matter is, all you're getting a bunch of people's opinion. I mean, I heard some corny stuff. Uh, Our church, years and years and years and years ago, two pastors ago, got into counseling. And, and, and of course, there I was hanging out doing whatever it is I was doing then. And... uh, the pastor concluded that I need to be in a counseling session. Well, all right, the pastor says I go to counseling session. I go to counseling session. And I sit and listen to these people. There's a big room full of us. And they were all sitting there explaining the reason that they were in a counseling session. And I'll tell you what, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I mean, it's just like, oh, my God, you guys, you're a seed of Hitler or what do we got? And it keeps coming around. came to me and I was like, man, I got no problem. <laughs> you guys are nuts. And what I learned in the church at that time, we were either musical or crazy. And you're just sitting there going, wow, this is incredible, man. Okay. And um, anyway, but then I started talking to different people in the church and they were all in some kind of group thing. And I was like, whoa, Barnum and Bailey. Okay. Listen, if you're filled with the spirit, you can forget all that stuff. If you're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of the living God will control all of your relationships. All of them. The point that the Apostle Paul is trying to get at here is that the center of the Christian life is to be filled with the Spirit. The center of the Christian life is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And you know what did you learn? There are times when he just wants you to stop. I don't want you to do nothing. And you just... Now, sometimes that gets very comfortable, but he'll move you again. Only when you do that will we know what our marriage and what our family are meant to be. So it's the third thing on this list of consequences is submitting to one another. When we relate to each other, we are to be submissive to one another. It's mutual. That's what the text says. 
It's a mutual submission. That's a lot harder than what you think it is. And I'll prove it. James chapter 4, verse 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? There are quarrels and conflicts in the church? Really? You ain't been in a Baptist church, have you? <laughs> God does it by multiplication. Baptists do it by division. Is not the source of your pleasures that war, wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. There's no submission in that. And so you have what in the church? Quarrels. Okay, if you don't have submission in the family, what do you have? Okay? There are wars in churches. And they become come because we want the upper hand. Okay? Uh, I'm right. I shared that this morning in Sunday school. There's been a number of times that I've been in conversations with people, and I was right, but I knew that they could not understand it. And so I'm not going to press a point that they can't understand. All right? I want my two cents. I need to have the last word. Don't you understand that I'm a leader? But what about my opinion? What about my way? I always think about when I hear that every once in a while, and I think about when David was going out to meet Goliath, and Saul wanted to give David his armor. And he put it on. You got a little boy wearing a grown man's armor. He said, are you nuts? <laughs> How will I run? No, that's, that's what I'd have been thinking. I can't run in this. We want to push to the top. A spirit-filled life is not a fight for the top. A spirit-filled life is a fight for the bottom. I want everybody else above me. Not looking for myself, but I'm looking for others. Remember Corinthians? Some of you were with me when we went through Corinthians. That was kind of a jacked up mess, wasn't it? I mean, that church was chaos on steroids. Everybody's using that now to think of something else. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 16 says this. Let me give you the context. Verse 15. I urge you, brethren, know the household of Stephanus, and that they were first fruits in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to ministry and to the saints, that you also be in subjection to such men, to everyone who helps and works and labors. Those who are working in the ministry, you are to be subject to Peter 1st Peter chapter 2 verse 13 now remember Peter is writing to persecuted believers okay they are being killed 2:13 submit yourself to the lord's sake to every human institution hmm whether king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and praise God for those who do right. For such is the will of God. 
that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. Okay? That's why we pay our taxes. Yippee, huh? Why? Right now they have authority over us. Chapter 5, verse 5 of 1 Peter. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourselves with, oh, there it is again, humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All right, throughout scriptures, gosh, you just really can't get rid of this. One that I really like, but I try not to belabor, is uh, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. Want me to explain that one? <laughs> See what I mean? This everything in, in existence has authority and submission. But if you anybody here had a bad boss? None of you. That's oh. <laughs> yeah. Any of you had a good boss? Stephanie, you better say yes. <laughs> Okay, a good boss is a serving boss. They're not going to ask you anything they ain't already done or are doing. And they're going to give you the ability to do whatever it is needs that he's asking you to do. Listen, this text in Ephesians, it has the mentality of humility and in that humility is submission. It's, it's almost like two sides of the same coin. The word in, in Ephesians is hupa tasso. Hupa is under. Okay, tasso is line up or get in order. So you're going to get under and get in order. Okay, it was used in secular Greek to speak of military. You have the ranks of soldiers. It's the idea of... Uh, Getting in order with something. Um, a Christian, as a Christian, we are to rank ourselves under one another, not over one another. I have seen this, that men can get into leadership positions, whether it's elders or pastors, and all of a sudden they think they're above everything. Okay? And and you're not. An effectual leader that Christ has put in the church is a servant. And I, I, it is so easy to get tangled up in this that because the world is pushing it, the world don't teach you to be submitted. Right? And so everything you do is dog eat dog and how do I get on top or how do I get better or how do I do this or how do I do that? We are to be under one another. 
the whole mentality of a Christian life is we relate to one another in humility and submission. In everything. Let me expound this in a magnificent way. In Philippians chapter 2, 3 to 5. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Stop right there. If you did that verse right there, you realize that you would never have a disagreement about anything with anybody ever again? Go try it. <laughs> Verse 4, Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Okay? Amen? What about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Be verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's serious stuff right there, but act like Christ. Do nothing out of vain conceit or selfish ambition. Consider others more important than yourself. Don't look out for just your own stuff. Look out for the needs of others. Have this attitude. That was the attitude that Christ had. I like it's in its context because he says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Everything is for Christ. It doesn't matter how lowly it is. It doesn't matter how lofty it is. And I tell people, they said, well, why were you privileged to go to these countries and teach? And Listen, that's us. That ain't me. You have set me aside to pray and study the word. Rightly dividing to make myself approved. I share with you what I find. That opened doors to find other people who want to hear the word of God. Nothing else, nothing more. Jesus took on the form of a man. He humbled himself. I want you to think about that. Because you had God who created existence took on the form of his creation. I, how much more humble do you get than that? Not only that, he took it to the point of death. He was obedient to death. And not only that, it was a horrifying, excruciating, shameful death. Let me tell you something. You don't have clothes on that cross. I know all the pictures. God bless them. 
but I've read the law on it, and they are butt naked hanging up there in the sun with nails in their wrist and their feet because they want the people who see it to know the shame and don't do this. The Son of God humbled himself. Now watch, in our relationships to each other, we are to be submitted in mutual submission. Okay? Teresa, Cynthia, me, Corinne, Nate, Nicole, all of us, we're supposed to be submitted to one another. Hey, we didn't call my name, so I don't have to. <laughs> Well, wait a minute. What about elder pastors? You know, they lead and they protect. Yeah, the structure of the church is one of authority and submission. And that is one of the great dynamics of the church. But in interpersonal relationship, there is to be submission and it's mutual. Listen. I love every one of you. I even love you guys who ain't here. Okay? I have absolutely, hear me well, absolutely no authority over any of you. Please hear me. This does. Okay, and that's I think we get it all screwed up. You say, "Well, you know, I'm the pastor. I'm, I'm the senior pastor." Does that mean you're old? <laughs> Does that mean? Okay, I'm the preacher. The only authority I have is that book. That's it. And you know what I've learned the hard way? <laughs> that thirteen seven text out of Hebrews. <laughs> Some of you don't make this a joyous adventure. <laughs> but it, it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a matter of the authority is the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will never. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. So an interpersonal relationship. I have interpersonal relationships with uh, everybody in this church. Some of you don't. Some of you go, I'm going to sit over here. And maybe they won't see me. And I won't have to say good morning. Okay. But I have interpersonal relationships with all of you. There is submission with all of you. All right. If you come to me personally with a criticism, I will receive it humbly before God. Okay? I try to make it that I am reachable, attainable. My door is always open most of the time, unless I'm not here. And I've had people want to come in and tell me things. And I receive it with humility. Okay. 
Now, I've had some come in and tell me that, and I received a humility, and they left, and I'm like, and people are crazier than a bunch of ducks. But <laughs> don't worry, they're not here anymore. I want you to understand this. I will receive your criticism and vice versa. All right? If you come with a burden to me, I'm going to get up under that burden and I'm going to bear it with you. I don't care who you are. Please understand it. We have a tendency as Christians to shoot the struggling. Oh, I know what you did. Shoo. That's not what we're told to do. It says, you who are spiritual see anyone in any trespass. You know what any trespass is? Any sin. You who are spiritual are to do what? Bear the burden. And it has to do with a donkey that's so loaded down that it's getting ready to belly out. You get up underneath it and push it up so it can take some of the stress off its legs. Yes, there is authority. Understand that my authority is only the Word of God. And we have submission in every aspect of our lives. And we should be mutually submitted to one another. Yes, I'll help you. Sure, I can do that. Okay. To illustrate this submission, Paul begins to show us what it looks like. Be subject to one another in fear of the Lord. You've got to remember the fear of the Lord. If you have fear of the Lord, then it's easy to be submissive. It's easy to be humble. Okay? And then he wants to make it clear. So 522 to 69, he illustrates it. He's basically using 22 to 69 to illustrate verse 21. Okay? You read this submission, you have to ask yourself, what is he talking about? What does it mean to be submitted? What do you mean to each other? So Paul illustrates it. Verse 22, it's wives. Verse 25, husbands. 6.1 is children. 6.4 is the father. Actually, the term would probably be better translated parent. Verse 5, the servants. Verse 9 of chapter 6 is the master. That is the household. Okay? You've got to remember at the writing of this book that it was an agricultural community. And in that house, you had servants. Some would help with the kids. Some would be teachers to the kids. Some would work in the field and make sure that the money was taken care of. But they all lived under one household. And he's saying the whole household is to be subjected to each other. Paul is looking, I guess technically if you wanted to look at it, it would be the family. That whole family unit. It's, it's, it's a microcosm of what submission is. And he says these principles should be applied. Now then, most of you do the same thing I do. Wait a minute. That's the family. That should be the easy part, right? 
That's why you're not supposed to get involved with unbelievers. They serve a different master. How is there mutual submission? There isn't. (laughs) Sorry. They could masquerade it for a little bit. But what about the government? What am I supposed to do with the government? Paul talks about that in Romans 13. Also in 1 Peter. All of 1 Peter is dealing with the government. And submission to the authority. Okay, well, what about submission in the church? Yeah, Paul dealt with that First Timothy chapter 2, specifically. All authority and submission. Here, the Apostle Paul is talking about the house. And Paul says, I will show you in the house how submission works. Okay? You know, if you ask people, do you know any Bible verses? You know, is there anything that you've ever memorized? And you know what I found? Just about every Christian I've ever talked to knows verse 22. Ain't that true? Don't you think? And I, I personally, when I look at it, I think that women get beat silly with that stupid verse. I mean, you know, it's... it's uh, it's like it, it's, it's ground in granite countertops in every kitchen. Wives, submit to your husbands. Perhaps it's on a club or a bat. Wives, submit to your husband. At least a sign over the kitchen sink. Wives, submit to your husbands. And it's weird because wives know it and husbands know it. And it's like... Grab any wife, grab any husband, and they will know this verse. Okay, I want you to look at verse 22 real quick. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. If you will note in your Bible, be subject is in italics. You know what that means? Men are about to cry. That is not in the original text. It's implied by verse 21. Okay? Sorry. It was going so well there. (laughs) But it also says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Remember that in the context that we're talking about, it's subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Submission. And it's, it's funny because as a pastor, I have dealt in the past with marital relationships. And it's funny when they come into the office, they both know verse 22. And you just go, yeah. The problem is the guy should be knowing what his verse is and the girl should know what her verse is. Because I think husband, if I was counseling someone on thinking about getting married and it was a man, I'd give him verse 25 and say, okay, how are you going to do with gave himself up for her? What do you think about that? Huh? Pack your bag. 
Give yourself as Christ did for the church. You ever thought about that? Because I'm going to close with this because women, you get a bad rap. Everybody knows your verse. And there's just not enough men out there know their verse. Because I think if it was, there'd be a lot more monks. (laughs) He died for the church. Guys, die for your wives. That is how a husband is to treat his wife. To the point of his own physical death, if necessary. Do for your wife what Christ did for the church. I know, everybody said, wonder where the expiration date on my marriage license is. Because <laughs> she's going to take me home and says, did you hear him? Did you hear him? <laughs> if not, you want me to record it, then you'll hear him? If you really think about it, remember the text, chapter 4, out of Philippians. Have this attitude, which was Christ, humbled himself as a man and was obedient unto death for the bride of his. Okay? Think about it. He bore our sins. You can't transfer it, man. I don't care what you... You will bear her sins. You don't believe me? When you get to heaven, look up a dude named Hosea. Okay? And ask him how that worked. Prophet of God, man of God. When people are out talking about divorce and when can you get divorced, I always tell them, go read Hosea. What? Just read it. You'll understand. He took the place that we should have been at. Men, are we going to do that for our wives? He died for us. Okay, now I'm going to wrap this really quick. I'm just laying foundations right now. That is how the Lord Jesus Christ leads I asked you guys, have you ever had a bad boss? you ever had a good boss? Did you notice I never said a thing? <laughs> My fo- boss is perfect. And I have never won an argument. Not even, I think I know a better way of doing that. Never worked. But you know what? As he leads me, my confidence grows. As my confidence grows. I understand more and more of the height and the depth and the breadth of his love for me. Husbands should lead the same way. So that your wife, by your actions, knows the height, the breadth, the depth. And the zenith is the actual word. I like that word, zenith. 
of your love. That's submission. I can tell everybody's happy about it. (laughs) Yes, ladies, I'm coming back to you next week. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for the spirit that indwells us. Father, as I look at this, you know that I have wrestled with it. Uh, Father, you know that I've been whooped by it. Father, um, puts a passion for more spirit-filled believers. Father, I pray that each one hear this message. Understand, in the fear of Christ, we be subject to one another. We give thanks for all things, and the joy and contentment of our hearts will break forth in song. Father, we love you. We praise you. Father, I thank you for drawing us this day to my King, to my Lord, to my Savior. In Christ's name, amen.